man, oh man, it is fun watching the Kansas City Chiefs, it really is. Welcome into the Kansas City Chiefs podcast, I'm your host Farzin Vasugi, and thank you guys for downloading and listening to this short, really exciting edition of the Chiefs Zone podcast. A short week, but still, we will have two podcasts this week. This will be the only podcast that we'll have that'll uh, recap the game and preview the Raiders matchup. Well, we will do a recap podcast of Thursday Night Football after the game, which will be out sometime Friday evening. Uh, at some point in the weekend, you'll have it, and then we'll do two podcasts next week. So still two podcasts this week, just so you guys know, just setting that up for you and uh, what uh, the, the what's in store for the podcast this week. Of course, like I said, we'll recap the game uh, against the Atlanta Falcons, another exciting one for the Kansas City Chiefs, and then preview that big Thursday night football matchup, first place in the AFC West on the line. Uh, I mean, if the Chiefs win, you've just got you. I mean, you've got the tiebreaker, which the Chiefs w- uh, earn. If the Raiders do win that game, uh, that could be the deciding factor in who wins the division and who doesn't. So, huge game for the Kansas City Chiefs this week against the Oakland Raiders. We'll t- touch on that in just a moment. I uh, just want to remind you guys, be sure you guys like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash sportscasterfarzine, or search my name, Farzine Vesugian, on Facebook. Also follow me on Twitter, at Farzine21. Love all the interaction with you. I'm not going to read, a, I'm actually not going to read any tweets or comments. There was one comment I did want to get into, which I'll, which I'll touch on, of course, when I recap the game against the Falcons. But other than that, because of the short week and uh, just the amount of time I have to get this podcast out, I don't, I don't want to uh, read too many of the comments, so uh, we're just going to get right into it. The game against uh, the Falcons, and here's the thing I'll say about the Chiefs. I think Chiefs fans get so caught up in what's an ugly win uh, in all this, and you know when we do win against some of these teams, when we have these narrow victories, we touch on one thing that could have gone wrong and... Whether or not our record could be three and nine instead of nine and three, and we just focus on that one thing that could have turned the game. And I think we, and I'm seeing Chiefs fans starting to do this now, especially when you when you have a, a great record like this. You just got to enjoy the moment. Listen, man, I know 2007 through 2012. I mentioned that stretch quite a lot. I think that stretch made us forget what it was like to be a competitive football team. Listen, you you just played a really rough two-week road stretch against the Broncos and the Falcons. I would have been content with splitting uh, that, that, that road stretch right there. Pre- preferably a win over the Broncos because that's, that's going to matter when it comes to tiebreakers for the division and maybe a wild card spot. The Chiefs won both of those games, and in crazy fashion, too. Uh, you win, I mean, you have to come back by eight points, and you force overtime, and you win with just seconds left to prevent a tie, and you hit the crossbar, and the ball goes in against the Broncos, and then against the Falcons. How, how in the hell did you win? The, the Falcons were ahead, going for two, which, here, here's what I'll say about that, and Teams have had really bad luck this year deciding when to go for two. And by all means, it was the right call for the Atlanta Falcons. That's what they had to do. Now, knowing what we know now, and who knows, maybe the Chiefs would have put together some sort of scoring drive 
when they got the football back. Uh, but instead, the, the the game plan changed, and they just tried to eat up the clock and pick move the chains. Uh, but at the end of the day, knowing what we know now at the final score, yeah, sure, uh, kicking a field goal or maybe at least not throwing a, an interception to Eric Berry, that could have been the different difference maker and the Falcons winning and losing. It, I, I just think this is a worst way to lose a football game. You had the lead after a touchdown, and then on your two-point conversion attempt, you throw an interception with the new rule recently changed a couple of years ago. It's a live ball. Uh, an interception or a fumble recovery by the defense in the pass on a two-point conversion attempt, it's a dead ball right there. I mean, the play's over. Now it's game on. Keep going because now the defense has an opportunity to earn those two points. And, and that's exactly what happened in this case. And not only did the Chiefs score a two-point conversion, they took the lead off of Atlanta's touch. How many times can you say you took the lead when someone just scored a touchdown? <laughs> That's the most ridiculous thing to say, and it just happened with the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, by the way, not only did they take the lead, they got the ball back. Just a crazy turn of events. Uh, no offensive touchdowns in the second half, but with the gutsy special teams call with, with Albert Wilson running all the way the way he did, uh, showcasing uh, his speed, which he hasn't been able to do a whole lot on offense. But everything you saw this Chiefs team do, just the grit, the effort, and the clutch, uh, something's, it's like the Royals. I, I'm convinced Ned Yost is employed as like the the fourth quarter coach or something, uh, the, the motivator, uh, or maybe Andy Reid learned from him. I don't know. But this Chiefs team, man, they find a way to keep fighting until the final second. And look at Eric Berry. I mean, right before halftime, I, I think the the thought process for every fan was, let's just not let them get a score. Well, yeah, I mean, eventually they did before the end of uh, the first half. But even better, Eric Berry got that pick six. Right before halftime, Daniel Sorensen almost got one right there. That would have been even better for the Chiefs and definitely would have derailed Atlanta's confidence going into the locker room. But man, uh, Eric Berry, and I'll get to the personal side of this because that's been the bigger story. But I mean, he's having a hell of a season. He really is. Uh, not, not once, but twice uh, this year has Eric Berry come through to help the Chiefs just build momentum and Try to take over a football game. Now, of course, the, the the first time he did it against Carolina, a much different situation where the Chiefs didn't even have a score of some sort. Or, I, or maybe they had a field goal at that point. I don't remember. Uh, but he, he got that interception from Cam Newton, went all the way, just kept bouncing off def- uh, well, offensive players that became defenders. Did the same thing here. Blocked a, or, uh, shed a, uh, a tackle or two, and then uh, got, got a little bit of help from Derek Johnson, and then... It was a foot race between him and an Atlanta lineman. The lineman got him, but too late. Eric Berry already in the end zone. Uh, Just got to love the way he's playing defense this year. Obviously a great cover safety, one of the best in the NFL, but now he's been making plays with his hands as well. And not just that, he's going all the way coast to coast to the end zone. And of course the more important pick six, which wasn't a pick, it was a pick two, uh, like I said, you you take the lead on Atlanta's touchdown. That just doesn't happen in 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 the in the sport of football. 
And I don't know what high school rules are. I don't think I've ever seen – and the reason I say the high school rules, it could be different for each state or district, whatever. But it, you know, high school, college, the NFL, I don't think I have ever seen uh, an opposing team, the defense essentially, get an interception, run it all the way, and take the lead. I mean, we've we've seen defensive scores on two point conversions. I mean, it's, it's been a, a thing in, in college football and in the, in the NFL. We've seen it happen a couple of times on block field goals and in interceptions. But to take the lead off someone else's touchdown, I mean, that that's like somebody winning the lottery and you like, like the money goes directly to you. That's what happened in this case because Atlanta getting that touchdown right there. That felt like a, a dagger. I know there were still almost five minutes left in that game, but given that Kansas City's offense wasn't doing much in, in the second half, I, I thought, man, I, I know the Chiefs have been this clutch team in the fourth quarter this year, but uh, they just haven't been. Even in the mo- even though you know the Chiefs are the comeback team, in the moment it's just hard to to believe that because of the way that they have been playing in that game specifically. They had not scored a, a touchdown in a long time offensively. So it was hard to to feel optimistic at that point. And weird enough, uh, the way Eric Berry <laughs> pulled together, got that pick. And by the way, he's had he had two great interceptions in that game. The way he just jumped in front of the intended targets that Matt Ryan was trying to get the ball to, that is, I mean, that's how you define a great safety and you've got to throw all the money at him you just have to I know the franchise tag feelings get hurt players are upset agents aren't happy general managers don't really feel like they had another option I just hope we can set all the egos aside and sign him man because he could very well be wearing a different shade of of red playing for the Atlanta Falcons because Obviously, that's his hometown. Scott Pioli's there. Scott Pioli once made him the richest safety, the highest paid safety in NFL history the moment he got drafted. So, uh, and not the moment he got drafted, but right before his rookie year, essentially. Uh, you do not want to lose a guy. And I've seen people on Twitter say to me, and on Facebook too, why is Eric Berry still here? We've got to let him go and look for a younger safety. Okay, uh, I get he could be expensive, but listen, man. Great players aren't cheap. They just aren't. You want to talk about, uh, and I get it, you want to look for young, cultivating talent and get them for a cheaper price, but when you have an already proven player, that's who you throw the money at, man. I know it's going to cost a lot. I know the Chiefs are going to have to find a way to restructure the salary cap, and it's going to be a headache for for John Dorsey. But, hey, that's his job, man. That's what he was hired to do. Uh, you've got you've to pay him. Uh, you cannot afford to lose a safety like Eric Berry. I, I mean, there are clearly two games this year where if Eric Berry wasn't playing against the Panthers and the Falcons, the Chiefs don't the Chiefs don't win that those two games. In fact, without Eric Berry's activity in these two games, the Chiefs would have lost 3 of their last 4 games. Against uh Carolina, Tampa Bay, winning against Denver of course, but uh the Falcons game you don't win that if Eric Berry's out there. You don't win that if he doesn't get the pick 6 and the pick 2. 
And, you know, I mentioned the personal side of Eric Berry in this game, what this meant to him. That, that, that's huge. Uh, you know, of, of course, th- that being his hometown and uh, both of his parents being there, his, his mom, he handed the mom the pick six football and then handed the father, his father, the uh, two point conversion score. Uh, and of course, everything he went through with with, with his chemo and treatment in Atlanta, and that was his first visit, visit back. This is this is a, a big moment for him. He really is a stand up guy, just not on the field, but off the field as well. And uh, it's rewarding. And Jeff on Facebook, uh, this is the only comment I wanted to to read. Uh, he mentioned on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash sportscaster Farzine. It was fitting that the Chiefs scored 29 points in this game, which, of course, is Eric Berry's jersey number. <laughs> so, uh, and I didn't realize that uh, until I read that comment. So, big thanks to, to Jeff for pointing that out. Uh, it, it, it's only fitting that with... Eric Berry carrying the team on his back, scoring eight points, which, by the way, was more than two other teams on Sunday. In his hometown, with everything he went through with his health, handing his parents the the, the two footballs he scored with, and the Chiefs scored 29 points. I, I You could not have written that any better for Eric Berry. And, I mean, he's had some great games in his career. Of course, the Carolina game, he's had a couple games in the past as well, but... Uh, this was by far the best game Eric Berry has played, uh, and uh, I think as as a defender, this is the kind of game you you wanna you wanna have. Uh, and I, I don't think you could have drawn up a better game for Eric Berry, and not only that, a uh, better leverage to demand a lot of money. So we're gonna see how that goes. Of course, uh, his agent from A three, Chad Speck, and the rest of those guys. In, in his uh, agency staff, uh, I mean, they'll they'll figure that out. But uh, you've got to keep him. You just cannot find another Eric Berry in this league. Yeah, sure, there are great safeties out there, but you know the the Ed Reeds, the Troy Polamalu's, the Eric Berries of the world are extremely rare. I mean, that's why the Chiefs had re-signed Jamal Charles so many times. You had kept Tony Gonzalez for as long as you could, and during those down years, you were able to get some big value out of uh, out of him, uh, being able to get that second round pick. You know, there's a reason why the Chiefs ended up letting go of guys like Matt Castle eventually. I mean, the, the guy was just not worth the money uh, that the, the Chiefs originally signed him to. But when you have guys like Eric Berry, Jamal Charles, Travis Kelsey, guys who are so great at their positions that you cannot, you, really, they're irreplaceable. That's why those guys have either at some point received contract extensions or have received the franchise tag. And again, I know the franchise tag is not the greatest thing in the world, but you've got to, it's a business, man. The NFL is a business sometimes. And the Chiefs had to do what they had to do. Hopefully in the end it all works out. And in a, after a game like this, you just don't want to see him be let go and end up joining another team. And again, I, Atlanta's the favorite because of what I said. Pioli's there. It's his hometown and all. Uh, but it's also a scary thought that he could end up in uh, in Denver with that crowded secondary. Or even San Diego. Another crowded secondary. Or Unless I forget Oakland. Their secondary is getting better each year as well. I mean, you'd hate to see him in that black and silver or... Uh, 
dark blue and orange. I, I don't even want to think of that idea. I don't even want to think of that. So if the Chiefs, if they can retain him and add another five, six years in Kansas City, especially with Justin Houston and hopefully D Ford eventually getting an extension, uh, this is going to be a great defense for for years to come. And let's not forget Chris Jones too. And I know uh, Nacho. <laughs> I mean, he's he, he's he's been making a little bit of plays too. He's been getting some pushes up front. Rakeem Nunes Roaches, for those who don't know, that's his nickname, Nacho. Uh, but this is a this is a defense that I was a little concerned about. But even then, if if guys like Derek Johnson, Tom Bahali retire, uh, I think the Chiefs can find ways to still keep this defense uh, upbeat, be dominant. I think Josh Maga, when he does come back from his injury, I, I think he could be a very good linebacker in the NFL. I, same with Ramick Wilson. And obviously, I mean, and I'm going to discuss that more in next week's podcast when the Chiefs, of course, it's going to feel like a bye week. So we can kind of discuss those topics there. But uh, that's what that podcast will be more about. Uh, and then, of course, later that week, we'll preview the matchup against the Titans. But for the most part, this is a, this is a defense that has a lot of great young guys that you can build, you can really, I, I mean, just have a great defense with. So this is an opportunity for John Dorsey to to prove himself as a general manager. What can he do to help the Chiefs be a better team long term? Obviously, doing a lot of great things right now, but you've got to have that longevity as well. You just don't want this team to be a one and none. Look at the Royals. Of course, they had those two great years, but you've got to you've got to be consistent. And now there's all this talk that they might be trading some of their all stars. You don't want the Chiefs to be in that situation where they can't retain some of their premier players. Big game this Thursday against the Oakland Raiders. First place on the line. And listen, I was watching that game against the Buffalo Bills and just how the Bills had the Raiders backed up against the wall. And the Raiders, uh, I mean, I don't know how many points, I think 29 unanswered points to come back, take the lead, and dominate. I know in the league we have to rely on other teams, but at the same time, if you want something done, you've got to do it yourself. I know it's an old saying, it's a cliche, but uh, it holds true in this situation for the Kansas City Chiefs. And like I said last week, the Chiefs, even though they're they're not leading the AFC West right now, they can control their own destiny. A win over Oakland this Thursday night gives the Chiefs first place in the AFC West. And if they can win out against Tennessee, Denver, and San Diego on the road to wrap up the season on New Year's Day, you've got the division. And and possibly a first-round bye, maybe even home field advantage, depending how things play out with New England. So a huge opportunity for the Chiefs if they can win on Thursday night. If Oakland wins, gosh, it's going to be tough, but... Uh, Oakland will be getting a two-game lead in the AFC West with three games left to go. And I, I think at that point, it, it'd be safe to say the division uh, does go through the Oakland Raiders. And it would be the third time the Chiefs would finish with double-digit wins and would receive a wild card instead of a division. And you don't want that. I mean, you're going to get double-digit wins this year. There's no doubt about it. But you don't want it to... To happen again. Uh, the playoffs are nice and all. Uh, home field advantages and everything. Uh, but of course when you've got a place like Arrowhead Stadium. You do not want to let that go. Uh, and by the way. Speaking of uh, finishing above 500. And, and eventually double digit wins. The Chiefs. 
are going to, regardless, finish above 500 for the fourth year in a row. That has not happened since 1993 through 1997, where Marty Schottenheimer was the head coach. So the Chiefs, uh, under Andy Reid, spectacular. Of course, the only down moment was that 1-5 start last year. Other than that, everything's been great with Andy Reid and the way he's turned around this football team since he got here in 2013. Let's look at this Raiders matchup here. And, you know, I I don't want to pull a Gary Lezak, but I'm going to start off with the weather report. Uh, And it's funny I mentioned Gary Lezak because I'm actually going to read KCTV5's uh, weather update here. And and this could obviously change. This came out Sunday evening. It's Monday as I record this. And, you listen, you guys all know what the weather is. It can change so much. It is expected to snow on Wednesday. Thursday is going to be a heck of a cold day. Uh, according to KCTV5's Storm Tracker, it's going to be 20 degrees around tailgate time, which I know gates open at noon, and people are going to get in there whenever. The Chiefs are asking fans to arrive before 3, but listen, man, some of us do have our priorities during the week, so uh, some people are going to be coming in right after work, but nonetheless, uh, it, it should be fun. Uh, for those who do show up early at Arrowhead Stadium, so some want to take the day off, and, and that's fine. You know, all, all the all, all the power to you. You you have that right, of course. Uh, I personally feel like you know you've got to have your priorities. But twenty degrees at tailgate, seventeen degrees at kickoff, fifteen degrees at halftime, and in the fourth quarter should be around thirteen degrees. The wind chill ex- is expected to be anywhere from minus one to seven. Listen, I love my football team and all, but the thing I hate so much about football is. The time of year it's around. That's why if I attend a game, I always try to attend earlier in the season. I mean, first of all, the team is not bad in September. I mean, they don't have a bad. No one has a bad record in September, unless you're zero and four going into the final week of 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 that month. So usually week one, week two, because you know you're either one and zero, zero and one, maybe two and zero, one and one, whatever. Uh, and at that point, it's not like the season's over for anybody. And plus, the weather is great. So, And I just have this tendency of getting sick sometimes if I'm outdoors for a really long time. And uh, I've, I've just got to give props to you know not just fans, but even people working on the field. Camera guys, uh, you know, the, the, even the, the chain gang guys, who the referees, anybody on the field, the cheerleaders. Uh, that is not the most ideal. I mean, you you live for those moments. You know what you sign up for if you're going to work these jobs. But uh, it's uh, it's one of those where you hope the game goes by quickly. If it's another 75 minute game like it was against Denver, oh boy, it's going to be a long and cold night for a lot of people that night. But uh, bundle up if you're going. Uh, not to sound like a parent, but uh, uh, I've been told that before as well. I I've, I've had my uh, fair share of cold games that I've attended. Uh, you know, in high school, Chiefs game a couple of years ago, uh, got a bundle up in the in these games. So should be fun to see how Chiefs fans are all dressed up. I, I'm looking forward to seeing those crazy people who are who are shirtless at the same. There's always a group of people who do that, but uh, nonetheless, the actual game itself, the cold weather definitely going to play a role. But uh, I think sometimes the weather does. It's just a factor that we look into too much sometimes. I remember the second coldest game in Chiefs history was in 2008 against the Dolphins in December. And the Chiefs and Dolphins both 
they use the passing game to, and I don't, I don't remember the statistics in that game specifically, but if I'm not mistaken, that was a 38 to 31 score. And if I'm correct, I've got a crazy memory, but I do recall that game, uh, being such where Tyler Thigpen and I believe Chad Pennington, uh, they just aired it out from start to finish. So, uh, sometimes the cold weather it, teams just don't give a damn about it. So we'll see how that goes. And I, I think a team like Oakland, the, the, they'll still air it out. Uh, that doesn't mean you just completely abandon the passing game in the cold. Derek Carr is seventh or higher in completions, yards, touchdowns, and QB ratings. So of course you want to pass the football. However, I think in the game of football, the way it's designed, I mean, you you have these play this playbook, tons of different plays, you want to do something to throw off your opponents. And I think this is a great opportunity for Oakland to do that with Latavius Murray, who, of course, his name was born against the Kansas City Chiefs a couple of years ago when they won their first football game in the 2014 season on Thursday night in Oakland. Uh, Murray hasn't been great, hasn't been bad, though. Against the Chiefs, he could turn it up. And like I said you got to find a way to surprise your opponents, and I think the Raiders can do that in this game. If they use Murray. I can see them going run heavy in this game and exploiting Kansas City's really weak rush defense. Now, they'll still do something to get the ball moving through the air, and Amari Cooper is a perfect guy to, to use in that situation. He's fifth in receiving yards, just 19 yards away from 1,000 yards on the season. However, Michael Crabtree... He's had six in the NFL in touchdowns with seven. Seth Roberts has five. He's got the second most on the team. So Crabtree gets a lot of the yardage. Or pardon me, Cooper gets a lot of the yardage. Crabtree and Roberts, uh, they've been getting most of the receiving touchdowns for the Oakland Raiders. And, and again, the Raiders are, uh, are an offense that's built to do a great job passing the football. Uh, by the way, Crabtree is also seventh in the league. And first down receptions with 45. Uh, so they, they use him a lot in third and sh- short situations. Just to give you an idea, by the way, with the 45 uh, first, downs, uh, first down catches he has, where he where other players rank, Mike Evans for the Bucks leads the league with 64. Travis Kelsey is tied 11th with 42. Greg Olson, by the way, he has the most first downs by a tight end with 43. And like I said, Kelsey has 42. So obviously uh, a close second in that category for Travis Kelsey. Uh, and, and a great offensive line for the Oakland Raiders too. And of course, uh, Chiefs fans very familiar with Rodney Hudson, who moved on with the Oakland Raiders after leaving the Chiefs. Defensively, Khalil Mack, D. Ford, uh, both great pass rushers. And by, both of them tied third with 11 sacks. You can't forget about Bruce Irvin, who came over from Seattle for the Oakland Raiders. Of course, Justin Houston and Tom Bahali, the way that they they played the past couple of years. Tom Bahali, of course, not a down-for-down guy anymore, but still, when he's out there, and the Chiefs have done a good job with him, not letting him play a whole lot and playing him in certain situations. And when he when he is on the field, I mean, his presence is felt, even though he doesn't do anything. Maybe not a, a tackle or a sack or, or, or any of that, but... Uh, I mean, teams teams don't notice him. They, they double team him. They 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 try to prevent him from the quarterback, and he's able to get a pass rush out. He's able to put pressure on, on quarterbacks, even though statistically it doesn't show up for Tom Bahali and Justin Houston. Of course, 
Uh, it took him just a, a game to get back into Pro Bowl form, and he's been great for the Chiefs lately. And uh, what a time to have him back, especially with uh, with the uh, division race heating up, and you've got first place on the line. And by the way, it's really scary how similar these defenses are. I mentioned Khalil Mack and D. Ford both have 11 sacks. David Amerson and Marcus Peters, uh, cornerbacks, of course, both in the top five and pass deflections this year. And I know Sean Smith hasn't statistically been flashy, but he's always been that way, especially in Kansas City. He's a great cover corner. He and Amerson, not too far behind the duo of Tlaib and Harris in Denver. Of course, the former Jayhawks playing for the Broncos. Uh, overall, I mean, this is a defense that not as good as Kansas City's, but they've got key players who can make an impact. And, you know, a guy like Khalil Mack, I mean, he can take over a football game. One big hit, he can pop the football loose. And if an Oakland Raider jumps on it, I mean, there's your turnover right there. And Oakland's really scary offense, especially that passing offense, they can do some things and they'll take advantage of those takeaways. I mean, they, they will not let those opportunities go to waste special teams again very similar we might be in for a treat here because you got the two best punt returners when it comes to yardage and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Richard uh that's uh the category they they lead the league in also two great kickers in Santos and Seabass Janikowski has made all of his kicks from 40 yards or below he's been inconsistent from 50 plus going three of eight but hey look uh, when you're going to kick the football eight times from 50 yards or more, uh, you're not going to be 100%. I, I mean, it's just you, you don't get that uh, from every, even the best kickers. Uh, but still, Seabass, one of the best in the NFL, even though he's a hating. Uh, he, he'll mess some every now and then. Uh, but this year, he's been pretty good. He's been kind of in his Pro Bowl form, which we have not seen for a couple of years. Also, two great punters and Dustin Colquitt and Marquette King for the Oakland Raiders. I'll tell you what, I'll give you my prediction right now. I think the Chiefs are going to win this football game. They came off two big games. Two defining wins for the Chiefs against the Broncos and the Falcons. Their biggest win of the season is still against Oakland. I did a Twitter poll and a lot of people said Denver. I think people are just getting that mixed up with what was the more exciting win. Yes, the Broncos win was still huge because, and I can understand voting for that because the loser of that game was removed from playoff uh, from the playoff top six seeding for a bit. Now the Broncos are back in, so it didn't hurt them too terribly much. But for the Chiefs, that Raiders win could be crucial. This Thursday, and when I say the Raiders win, I'm referring to the first time they met. The second time they meet, if the Chiefs can get that 2-0 record over Oakland and improve to 4-0 against the division, that's going to be a big difference maker into who wins the division and who doesn't. And I think for the first time, we're seeing how important it is to win your divisional games. Because if you're tied with someone at... 12-4 12-4 and four or 11-5, and five. and like I said, we might have three teams that finish with double-digit wins in the AFC West. So you've got to make sure you keep winning this, these division games. It's, it's not easy to go 6-0. and oh. Those division games are always more intense. But you got to keep winning them. And the Chiefs have done a good job of that so far. Winning half of them so far, still three more to go. And it's got to start this Thursday. Keep winning those games. In the second half of this divisional, uh, the divisional games you have left. 
And I think the Chiefs can do that. I have four reasons why the Chiefs will win this football game. Number one, they lead the NFL in defensive touchdowns with five. Denver and San Diego right behind Kansas City with four. Second reason why, even though the offense isn't always consistent, I mean, you see them kind of disappear in the second half. Defense and special teams managed to come through in the clutch. They've done that. You saw that special teams uh, punt, uh, kick, free kick t- uh, return touchdown against the Broncos. And then, of course, that game-winning field goal from Santos. He got two field goals in that overtime period to help the Chiefs. Third reason, Alex Smith hasn't been terrific, but he knows when to take over when he needs to. He does have reliable players in Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, Spencer Ware, possibly Jeremy Macklin, who the Chiefs reportedly are optimistic he'll return. Kelsey's on a hot streak with three consecutive 100-yard games. You know what Macklin's capable of if he's healthy and able to play a majority of his snaps. And, of course, we've seen Hill's elusiveness lately. And I think Spencer Ware, you know, he's overdue for a big game. I think he's got to come through at some point. And speaking of being overdue, and this is not one of my top four reasons, but... Marcus Peters in, in uh, D4, they've been quiet lately. Of course, they were league leaders in sacks and interceptions, but haven't had one lately. And I think this would be a time for them to really rise to the occasion and, and come through and uh, help the Chiefs uh, defensively come through. Not that the defense hasn't, but I think those two haven't necessarily been big key uh, playmakers so far. I mean, Marcus Peters hasn't allowed a lot of big passes, which is, uh, of course, a good thing. But uh, it'd be nice to see him come up with a, with a pick six as well in this game. Fourth and final reason, Andy Reid. His play calling has actually gotten better lately. It has. In Denver, the Denver game, a couple play calls here and there weren't really great. They were iffy. But I was pleased with the play calling against Atlanta. I was. And the thing about Andy Reid and his teams, they've picked up some narrow wins lately. Regardless of any situation, Andy Reid's team will always battle until the very final second. The Chiefs have a lot of heart. And they've had luck on their side too. And I mentioned I mentioned luck. Great teams. Of course they've got skills. But even so. Great teams just find a way to be lucky. More than bad teams. I mean that's just the way it works. There are a lot of great teams who have luck on their side in a few games. I mean we, we've seen it with all great teams. And again look at, look at the local baseball team in the Royals. They've had luck on their side, and that led to a World Series championship win. Hopefully that can be the same case with the Chiefs in the Super Bowl eventually. Don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, of course. Nonetheless, I think the Chiefs have what it takes to win over the Oakland Raiders. And I think this will be a, a, a more, I don't want to say a one-sided game, than some might expect. I know people think this is going to go down to the wire like the last two games. Uh, I think it's going to take all 60 minutes, but I think the Chiefs, are going to take care of business and do what it takes on all three facets of the game to dominate the Raiders in this one. I think the Chiefs can come away with a big win at Arrowhead in that cold and come away with a 31-17 win. 31-17 is my prediction. I, I think the Raiders, as good as they are off offensively with the passing game, I think that defense is going to cause a lot of problems. That pressure on Derek Carr is really going to hurt him. And that front seven for Kansas City is no joke. That offensive line for, for Oakland's great, but they've got another thing coming for them with Chris Jones, Justin Houston, Holly Ford, Nacho, uh, hopefully Dontari Poe is going to be available. The Chiefs have got, I mean, they've gotten better with the injuries lately. Not a lot, uh, not a lot of activity there, which is great. 
because you're going to need these guys in the final four games, and that's going to help the Kansas City in this football game. And I think that defense can come away with some big plays and a couple of takeaways, maybe even a score of their own. And I think special teams, and again, maybe not not a score of their own, uh, but still. I think Tyreek Hill, DeAnthony Thomas, whoever you have back there, they can set the offense up with great field position and do what it takes to give the offense what it needs to do. Maybe just have uh, 60 or, or, or 50 yards to go to go to the end zone. And that'd be huge for the offense. They'd be doing the team a huge favor. And the offense has got to capitalize on these. I know they haven't, but I think in this Raiders game, a huge, huge game with a lot on the line. It's just the moment where they've got to, you've just got to flip the switch and just go wild on this team. (laughs) You've got to. So hopefully the offense can have a better showing in this game. We haven't necessarily seen four full quarters of this offense, and this would be a great opportunity to not only do it just just because a lot's on the line, but I mean, the Raiders are in first place in your division, and that's what you want. You want to get that division win so you can get a game at Arrowhead Stadium in the postseason and possibly get that home field advantage. And, of course, uh, with that comes a first-round bye, which, of course, every team would love to have going into the postseason. 31-17, my prediction for this game. Later in the week on Friday, we will recap the game between the Chiefs and the Raiders. We will also go around the NFL out of bounds and I'll throw my penalty flags and then early next week we'll talk about this Chiefs team just kind of recap the season so far and not just the future for the rest of the season but also for the next couple of years like I mentioned earlier John Dorsey's got a lot to do he's got a lot to think about and trying to find a way to uh, build longevity with this team positive longevity of course and then of course in the end of next week we will preview the game between the Chiefs and the Titans. Please like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Farzine, or pardon me, sportscaster, facebook.com slash sportscaster Farzine, or search my name, Farzine Vesugian, on Facebook. Love all the interaction. Let's keep it going throughout the week and on Thursday night. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Tell a friend about it. And until then, I'll talk to you guys this weekend. Enjoy your Thursday night. Should be a cold one. If you're at the game, bundle up. 3117. Chiefs, my prediction. Talk to you later.